time to get real. I want to see some crazy whizbiz. What's the I want to see some of that with this. This castle is in unacceptable condition. Unacceptable. Mathematical. Bacon pancake. Welcome back to WizBiz with Alex and Eric, where we explore all the dark secrets and hidden crevices and wonderful magic of Adventure Time. Uh, this episode, we are going to be covering uh, Season 1, Episode 4, titled Tree Trunks, and Season 1, Episode 5, titled The Enchirian. Uh Alex, uh, welcome to the show. Thank you. Uh, oh, wait, I guess you should probably welcome me to the show. I mean, it's both of our shows. Yeah, but it's in your dungeon. Okay, uh, welcome to the echo chamber. That's right, the room with the creepy door. <laughs> that was the old Alex cast opening. Because that door... Um, so we're recording in a basement of a house that was built in uh, 1904, I think. It has ghosts. And, and sure. it's, and it's uh, you know, half refer, you know, it's half livable. But there's this giant door that's um, five feet wide, maybe. Yeah, it's a, it's an odd door. It's, uh, well, it's, it's because on the other side, when I moved in, there was a latch and a lock to mm-hmm. lock the room shut. Oh, it's a werewolf door. It's a werewolf door. Exactly. Okay. So it was the room with the creepy door. So much to the point that when I would have... Uh, uh, female guests on, I started to feel very creepy about it because I'm like, I literally have a fucking dungeon down here that I can lock someone in. Uh-huh. So I, I, I use my my very uh, vast home improvement skills to take that lock off the door to make it slightly less creepy. Are you? It didn't work. <laughs> just trying to tell us that you own a Phillips head screwdriver. I mean, that wasn't the point of the story, but that is in fact what it what it involved doing. <laughs> But I don't, you know, it's, I'm an intellectual. I don't know how to fix things. What am I going to do? Get grease on my fingers? Oh, I mean, maybe uh, intellectual grease. Yeah, that's fine. But I'm not some kind of ham and egger that, like, goes to work and <laughs> makes a real living. No, no. Right. <laughs> I read books. Okay, Alex, let's, let's talk a little bit. Okay, we have to get this over with. So I know that season one, episode four, is probably going to um, include more swear words from Alex than any other Analysis we do because you hate tree trunks. All right. Well, let's let's be fair here. Okay. It's not that I hate tree trunks. It's that I fucking abhor her. Well, I loathe tree. No, no, I don't. I find I find the character to be slightly irritating, and it is a fault of my own. Is I it? get why people would like it, but people that are unaware of their their surroundings and just kind of like do to do their way through life, I find infuriating because I am an overthinker, but... and it has held me back. My entire life. So someone just going like, oh, I guess I'll just walk over here and everything's going to work out fine because someone's going to save me. Motherfucker, no one saved me. I have to overthink everything. Do you know how far ahead I think about what side I'm going to pass that person to the sidewalk? Okay, Very well, far now, is the now answer. Slow down there, cowboy. So, um, I mean, that's, I think, really uh, a poignant way to look at it. But also at the same time, this episode demonstrates that like Finn has that same relationship with Jake. And, and, you know, Finn's a kid, you know, so he's, yeah. what, like, 10 or something in this episode. But he does the stupidest shit possible and is only alive because Jake is always there to save his life. Yes, but I would argue the reason it doesn't annoy me with Finn, one, he's 10. Two, he literally lives with a magical, near-immortal being that's next to him his entire life. So I'll tell you right <laughs> now, I would not be nearly as a, as a hyper, hyper-vigilant is the term of the disorder. I would not be nearly as hyper-vigilant if I had a sentient god creature walking next to me that would protect me. That could literally, we could jump off a cliff together and be fine. And also, I live in a reality where I bounce back from everything. This is a this is a, a octogenarian, I'm going to guess. Uh, oh yeah, Tree Trunks is dement has dementia yeah. of some sort for sure. Uh, and so she should know better at this point. Not not saying the dementia part, but like she's old enough. Mm-hmm. Uh, so she's not, not the 10 year old excuse. And she doesn't live with a magical creature that could save her life. Uh, yet. True. Right, so right. maybe later, because honestly, I do feel like as Tree Trunks moves on through the show, I find her less irritating. Yeah, I feel like even in this episode, she does have some good um, insight into her own character. But also... As her character develops, as we get more of her backstory, we start to see she's kind of a badass. Even though she is annoying, uh, she's a badass. And um, she ends up like, so These both of these episodes, actually, one of the things that I really like about them is that they are 
part of the sort of like core story of Adventure Time. Tree trunks and the Enchiridion mm. are essential elements of the whole uh, story of the Lich. I agree with the Enchiridion, and I'm not disagreeing with Tree Trunks, but I think I forget why she connects to the because Lich. Because after the Lich gets imprisoned in the body of the baby, Tree Trunks oh, and Mr. Pig right. yeah, take of course, care that's of right. the baby, yeah, yes, yes. even though they know that the Lich is in there. Yeah, I forgot about that. Yeah. Uh, I was thinking the, 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 the Lich showing up originally, but yeah, when it turns into that kind of... There was a there was I like can't what they call old him. Looney Tunes character. There's kind of like that, that kind of like giant baby thing. Yeah, yeah. Um, uh, correct. I do like that's one of the things I'm enjoying about going back and talking about these episodes in in depth is how we're getting the skeleton of the later show mm-hmm. and like they're really rushing. I, mean, I guess it happens with anything. Uh, like I'm watching One Piece right now. That that anime. Well, it's based on a manga. Oh yeah, yeah. I've watched a few episodes of that. But like the first episodes, it's just like it's the let's beat all the people we need to beat in order for the show to happen. Mm-hmm. And I kind of forgot that uh, Adventure Time did that. And I've always had it in my head that Adventure Time was just this slapdash thing that eventually turned into something very complicated. Yeah, it, but it feels, feels like slapdash. But it feels like at least he knew the characters he wanted to introduce. You know, he, he yeah. knew there was a world of X size and not X size, but size of X. Uh-huh. Yeah, yeah. I, I think you're right. You know, I mean, uh, like last time when we talked about the the Ice King introduction, you know, there was the post-apocalyptic office chair sled, for instance. Yes. And then there's also stuff like both of these episodes have uh, some fun uh, D&D references. So in this one you have... Uh, they, I, I don't feel like this one has them being as um, overt, but they're still sort of they're like, let's go on a quest, you know, let's go get the magic crystal apple, the crystal gem apple in the evil dark forest. Which yeah. is a very, very D&D tropish sort of quest. But like the first monster they run into is this weird wall of flesh that's like hanging out on the ground. Yes, which is super D&D. It's yeah. so D&D. Like a lot of the really classic D&D characters are things that disguise themselves as part of the dungeon. You know, yeah. Uh, there's like the uh, oh, I can't remember any of the names. There's like a lurker. There's there's one that looks like a, a stalagmite that comes to life. That's the roper, I think. There's the um, there's one that looks like the ceiling that like drops down and tries to eat you. Yeah. And then of course there's the mimic, which I think is probably the most famous of them, which disguise disguises itself as treasure chests and yeah and furniture and things like that. That's like, like Ditto from Pokemon. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, let's let's talk about D and D for a second here. Okay. Okay. What is your back? Wait, wait. Before we talk about D and D, one specific D and D question before we get into the overall: Is the Enchiridion in Dungeons and Dragons, like that that uh, named book? No, I don't okay. think so. Because it's in so. a, there's a card based uh, computer game I I'm, I love. I've been playing for years now called Slay the Spire, and one of their um, bonuses I'll call them because it's too complicated to explain what it actually is you can get the Enchiridion uh-huh. and it doesn't really have much to do with it but it, because they called it by name I was wondering if that's a oh that was in D&D pack four or whatever you know no no it, I don't think it was ever in D&D but um you know magic books are definitely part of D&D yeah so what uh what, what's your D&D background I oh I mean honestly I started playing D&D probably in like second or third grade during the oh, wow. like right before the satanic panic yeah and it was a sort of, <laughs> I mean, this is, okay, I'm going to tell part of my or, my secret origin story. And uh, for those of you listening out there, you know, if you think that it sounds too ridiculous to be true, we encourage you to send us a postcard to our fictional mailing address. Yes. So I grew up in a small town in, in Oregon, and my father helped start the Unitarian Universalist Church in this town. Because, you know, I don't know, I, I don't. I don't pretend to understand all the motivations of my father, but he's a he's a fascinating and uh, he's a fascinating guy. He's very tough. He's like he's like super left wing Clint Eastwood. Oh, <laughs> you know if Clint Eastwood uh, instead of um, talking to empty chairs and wanting to be a Republican douchebag was instead like a good guy Democrat who tried to help people. Oh, that'd be my dad. That's hard to imagine, but I, I think I'm, I'm thinking of picking up what you're putting out. Okay, yeah, yeah. yeah. So my dad helped start uh, the Unitarian Universalist Church uh, branch in, in this town that I grew up in. And um, when I was there, I met this, like, amazing group of, this amazing family, right? Like, the, there were probably, I think, three or four siblings, like two sisters and two brothers. I don't remember exactly. But the older brother, I kind of, like, sort of hero worshipped. He was, you know, he was the cool kid. Yeah. And he played <clears throat> D&D. So we started playing D&D, and I didn't really understand what the rules were or that there even were rules. But, like, I remember, you know, that first week after after UU Sunday School, 
which was just D&D, I guess, for probably a year. We just went to, you know, Sunday mornings, all of our parents went to do whatever you use do, and we played D&D in the back room of the Knights of Pythias Hall. So at at school, we were doing these math exercises where we used these math dice, and there were dice of all different sizes, you know, different num- numbers of sides and stuff that you would use to, like, you know, do math problems. I don't remember exactly what we did, but I know what my friends and I did is we stole math dice and at recess, we played D&D. Or we made it up. We yeah. made up the rules. You know, we were rolling the dice and having adventures and doing dungeons and all this sort of stuff. And uh, this group of friends and I, like, we just continued, you know. Eventually, we got boxed sets of D&D. We played tons and tons of different tabletop role-playing games. And um, I ended up playing D&D pretty solidly up. I mean, you know, there were breaks. College college was tough on the D&D crowd, on my D&D crowd. But, um, yeah, probably up until... 2006 or so, I played D&D really regularly. Wow. Uh, and then after that, I uh, I sold off almost as much of my D&D stuff as I could. I had collected I had collected so many D&D books. It was it was insane the number of D&D books I had. Um and I sold a ton of them. And then yeah, and then yeah, I play again now, but not as seriously as I did back then. Uh, my apologies for the long ramble, but that was a, a D&D story. I liked your long ramble, and uh, it will be offset by my D&D origin stories. I played once in eighth grade and hated it. The end. <laughs> so, no, I had a really shitty Dungeon Master. Uh-huh. Uh, in, in later years, when learning what D&D was supposed to be look like, uh-huh. that sentence was horrific, but I think you understood what I was trying to say. Uh-huh. Uh, I am jealously looking at D&D and wishing I had like a group to play with that was understanding of a new player. I've played one... I played one since then, and then I played one round of uh, some Lovecraftian thing that uh, John from John. Oh, Alex Call of Cthulhu! Stuff. I think that was it. We were, yeah, there was like, yeah, I think that was it. Um, that is a fun game. Yeah, uh, which I kind of enjoyed myself, but uh, there was, I didn't really get into it. I didn't, you know, commit to the character, kind of, etc. Mm-hmm. So I'd like to have a chance to maybe, you know, stopping such a such a, a, sh- a shy little boy and like actually like do a character thing and play Dungeons and Dragons, but I, I've not done it yet. So uh-huh. um, I, my Dungeons and Dragons knowledge is very limited to, um, you know, Eddie Munson and the other D&D characters we see on TV. Have you ever checked out any of those like uh, those live D&D play podcasts? I have watched some Critical Role, uh-huh. which everybody says is great. And I, and I got it and I watched their, they made a the TV show. Out yeah, of it. yeah. I thought the TV show was pretty entertaining. It was pretty good. So I, I like the idea. Uh, oh, and I liked uh, Dan Harmon used to play Dungeons and Dragons on his podcast. Yeah, yeah. Which I which I enjoyed greatly. So yeah. I, I, so there's our Dungeons and Dragons background because I realized this is something we probably should have set up earlier. Is that because Dungeons and Dragons, this whole first season is really this is a Dungeons and Dragons based show almost. Mm-hmm. You know that that's one of the things. So yeah, it is. Back to tree trunks. Uh, tree trunks, as Finn says in this episode, is old and bonkers. Yes. So, okay, so there's a few things in this episode that I thought were, that kind of um, stood out to me. I know I mentioned a couple of them already. Uh, Tree Trunks is not just old and bonkers, but she's also manipulative, right? Like, there's definitely a Mm. thing in this episode. Like, she basically tricks Finn and Jake into taking her on this quest to get the, the, the Crystal Gem Apple. And also, the little snail that shows up sometimes is in this episode on the picnic blanket. I meant to bring that up. I remember when I first started watching the show that there was a rumor that that snail was in every episode. Uh, now, I don't know this. It's just the, that was going around the playground. Yeah, yeah. There's, there's, actually, my late 30s. Um, there's actually another little tiny character, like this little itty-bitty man that shows up in a bunch of episodes. Yeah. Like sometimes in like Princess Bubblegum's pocket. Like, I, I haven't paid attention to, to spot them all, but yeah. I know that, like, on the uh, Adventure Time subreddit, there's, like, people who obsessively look for this sort of stuff. They are, yeah, we aren't we aren't as obsessive as um, some Adventure Time fans, and we probably oh, yeah. never will be. No, no, I mean, I'm good with my level of, I know the name of the guy that makes the show, um, that's pretty much it. <laughs> I, I don't know most of the voice cast. I, you know, I yeah, just, I'm good. I, I, I find the show fun to watch. I'm a big fan of just enjoying the thing that the creator made and not have to get all obsessed about the lives of the people behind it. Just just watch the fucking show. Yeah, it's, I mean... It's good. <laughs> you know, it's a, it, Lucy Liu does tree trunks. Really? No. No, of course not. Good grief. That, gets, that could be Lucy Liu. She's a talented person. <laughs> so, uh, one of the things I did... So, on, on your manipulative note... Yeah. It could be argued for... for 
a slight moment in the episode that she was doing it accidentally. But then later in the episode, she goes, I'll use my feminine wiles to win this person over. Oh and she my puts God. on. Are you doing tree trunks? Were you tree trunks? What, I mean. That was perfect. Was it? Was it even yeah. close? Uh, yeah, that was amazing. Can you say uh, a fly landed on my pie? That's no uh, good. I already lost it. A fly landed on my pie. And that means I have to throw it out because. Hey, you, you were close. You were close. I don't remember the quote, but okay. The point is, she's 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 going to use her feminine wiles to win the thing over, uh-huh. and it's like, no, you're aware. You you think my adaptation in this situation is to find out how to manipulate the person I'm I'm interacting with mm-hmm. to win me over. I'll try to put stickers on this, although incredibly stupid. Oh, yeah. But still manipulative. In the world of Adventure Time, probably could work. Yeah. I'm, oh, s- I'm sure that there are so many monsters that would work on I bet there was a version of this episode that they, or at least in the writer's room, they debated whether her stupid ideas would work. Yeah. That yeah. the wall flash becomes their friend because she puts, because that's, this, that, this show works that way. But I no, like- I... Her being manipulative is is clear on that, which doesn't endear her to be, you know, any more than. <laughs> I've just remembered one of my favorite jokes in that episode is when she's doing the stickers and she pulls out like she's like, "This one's a holographic unicorn, but it doesn't have a horn." Oh, yeah. <laughs> like that's just a horse. Yeah. <laughs> well, you know. Oh no, there are horses in this world. We meet yeah. horses later. Yeah. I was going to say, well, yeah, maybe James horses Baxter's don't exist anymore. A horse. Yeah, yeah, that's true. <laughs> One of the things I love about this episode is the random things they run into. Those little skull butterflies. Oh, yeah. Dude, if I was, like, in, like, high school or below, I would be mildly obsessed with those things. Like, I'd have them on T-shirts. I'd get, like, little pins of them. They're so cool. When I hadn't watched this episode in a long time and I watched it again and I saw those skull butterflies, I was like, oh, shit. Tree Trunks is so screwed. Those things look awful. But they ended up just making a band. Yeah, no, they're they're so great. Now, here's uh, one of the rare times I'm going to grab quotes from it, because I feel like this is a very important sequence. I'm not going to do their voices because I can't. Uh, Jake says, she'll be fine. Everything's fine. But the monsters, it's fine. It's fine. Are you sure? Because she has zero adventurer training. Yeah, 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 yeah. Well, it's fine. She'll be fine. Riri, it's fine. It's fine. Maybe it is fine. That is such an encapsulation of the, so Jake. the dynamic of the show. Uh, Jake, Jake really is a babysitter, though, for a very, very long time. Like yeah. he keeps Finn alive. He keeps all of these, all these idiot characters that go adventuring with them. Finn just sort of keep, or Jake keeps them all alive. Yeah. We see it in the Enchiridion also. Like you know, Finn went to finish that adventure without Jake, mainly because Jake is like, dude, don't be an idiot. You know. Yeah. But also because Jake is constantly saving his life. Oh, the other thing I like, the small moments in this, is the evil signpost oh, yeah. that beat the shit out of Finn. Very amusing. <laughs> and the crystal guardian that's 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 the, uh, uh, surrounding the tree. Oh, right, right, That right. it's like this weird mocking homunculus thing that's Stop just mimicking. Me. <laughs> it is so great. That is such a delightful Where moment. Both of them have the experience of, like, trying to punch it and hurting themselves. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and it also, like, it ends up being the moment where... Um, they learn from tree trunks, right? Like that's the lesson moment. They learn from tree trunks how to defeat the monster because they see what she's doing, and they're like, "Oh, we can manipulate the monster." Yeah, but what? So, a, yeah, what a hideous lesson! Is isn't aren't all their lessons kind of hideous? Hey, kids, you know what's going to help you in life? Gaslighting. <laughs> it's it's good. It hurts no one. Just run with it. <laughs> all right, and then okay, so uh, I'm almost certain that the, this gets resolved in another episode, but at the end. Tree trunks pops. Okay. And then she shows up dancing along in the crystal. And I think in another episode, they actually go to a crystal world and rescue her. Yes. Yeah. But this is one of the setups. So I'm there's a running theme that's going to happen in the show. And for it's going to show up later uh, mm-hmm. if we keep doing the show for long enough to get there. But that I think a lot of Adventure Time is based on Mahabharata. That it it is ancient, like the the cosmic comet is is the yugas. It's you know like the Mahabharata is the story of the gods saying like this is we we're reenacting the creation myth on the earth using the Pandavas and the Kauravas. I mispronounced both those words. Yada yada. But the point is when she bites into the apple, the first note of it happens where you get weird Tibetan throat singing happens mm-hmm. when she gets sucked into the crystal realm. It's it's small. It doesn't mean anything by itself, but as the show progresses and you get the dual-headed uh, mystic war elephant, oh which is God. directly from ah, the Bhagavad Gita. I, I mean, it's not directly, but it's so, so fucking Bhagavad Gita. Yes, yes. yes. Uh, so this is... The, the psychic tandem war elephant. That's it. So yeah. I just want to, uh, as they come up, I'm not going to do it for all of them, but I want to just point out the little bits of evidence mm-hmm. to try to build my theory that this is... Because it's also the hero that can, you know, it's there's a lot of it. Like he's, like, I think Finn... 
is uh, Arjuna. You think Finn is Arjuna? Yeah, he's the lead. He's the lead of you know of the of the family we're watching. Right, and then right. Jake is Bish- Bima. Bima. Bima and Bishma. I get confused. Bima's the one that's his brother. Bishma's his cousin. Oh God, you I you you might be right. I, I get him. I I've confused that my whole yeah. life. But anyway, the point is, there's so no point. That's what I'm running with. Who's Krishna? Yeah, I don't know. Um, Prismo? Yeah, I was gonna say uh, uh, Kamal Nanjani, whoever he plays. <laughs> um, uh, okay, all right. So uh, I think now it's time for our first segment. Yes. What is our first segment? I've been collecting uh, some shiny rocks. If you'd like them. Oh, Alex, tell us about a shiny rock. All right. So would you like? I've got two interesting words that are combined, or an interesting etymology that you're probably unaware of. I think uh, those are I our mean, choices. Honestly, like we have a really shiny rock in the title of the next episode. Uh, the Ankyridian? Yeah, that's yeah. a cool word, and it's a real word. All right, so I'll go with the words. Okay, let's do a word. Let's do a word. Eric, do you know what a skeuomorph is? Hold on. Let me try to figure this out. S-K-E-U-O-M-O-R-P-H. Skeuomorph. That would have to be a, um, okay, I have a couple of guesses. First would be an animal uh, who uh, catches prey by impaling it on spines. And my second would be an animal that skis. You're really close. Okay. Does it ski with spines? I'm not sure about the skiing, but let me give you the answer and then you can see how close you were. Okay. Uh, a skeuomorph is generally an icon that represents something that it no longer is, much like the save icon. Right. Oh, my God. That's one of my... F- I love that word. I learned that word a long time ago, and then I forgot You it. may have learned it from me, because I was obsessed with that word. I oh, think no. I told everybody I, I know. Okay. I learned it, like, back when I was <laughs> oh, yeah. studying user design oh, yeah, sort yeah. of stuff. Because I, when, I, I, when I found this Yahoo. word a while ago, uh, I was obsessed. I just Anytime I find it, it really is. Look at this cool rock I found. Yeah. Now, the reason I bring this up is... I've been obsessed with skeuomorph for a while. I've got my favorite words that happened for a while, but I have an add-on to skeuomorph, which I very much like. There's something referred to as a linguistic skeuomorph. Okay, okay. Give me an example. I'm I'm, I'm pulling up the the example right here, because if I were to call you, I'd dial my phone. Right. Oh, right, right, We don't dial. I would hang up with you after my phone calls. And you pick up the phone. Yes. And I guess sometimes we do actually pick up the phone, but we also have to push a button. Yes. I think that there are some skeuomorphs related to horses and cars, probably. Roll down the window in your car. Roll down the window. No, although some cars still technically have the roll function, but that's, you know, that's that's a good example. Turn up the radio. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah, Almost always it's just a button. Or, uh, or... Tune into a station. Oh right, right. Uh, turn the dial. Turn the dial. Yeah, yeah. Um, so yeah, there's a don't so, touch that dial. Yeah. So that is a uh, linguistic skeuomorph. Linguistic skeuomorph. I should have gotten more examples, but uh, I forgot to. Oh, maybe some will come to us as we're going along. Yeah, but I mean, there's a ton of it. It's it's these things that you reference, much like the the save icon is mm-hmm. is this reference that we all know. But linguistic skeuomorph is you know hang up the phone, dial the phone. It's yeah. what was the uh, yeah I, I saw a joke about the save icon recently where somebody had, had a three and a half inch floppy and their kid was like, oh, you three D printed the save icon. Yes. <laughs> Um, yeah, I, I heard that told as like a real anecdote at one point mm-hmm. and I have this theory and run with me here. Okay. Okay. Is that anytime you hear stories about a little kid that doesn't understand something, it's just a dumb little kid. Cause you, you, you have USB drives. It's, it's the same fucking thing. Shove thing in thing memory happen. It's not, this is not some Eldrick. It's not a uh, uh, cuneiform reads. I mean, it's literally I mean, a different kind of media. Okay. I don't know if you've ever met a little kid, Alex, but they're all stupid. No, but they're good at tech. I bet Sometimes. you. I bet you handed a kid a Nintendo, uh, with you know the cartridge not in it. Within thirty seconds, they'd figure out shove the cartridge in. Push. We have the... had a much different experience of ch- children. I have to say, if oh, I really? handed a kid a Nintendo and a Nintendo cartridge within thirty seconds, I would expect something to be broken. Well, how old of a kid we're we talking? I don't know. Any kid. I was picturing like first grade. I would say anything under twenty-five. Yeah, I mean. I, I guess I can't disagree with you, but I don't know if I agree with you. So okay, anyway, uh, fine. the point of the segment was that little kids are fucking idiots. Yeah, little kids are idiots, <laughs> uh, and that's why Adventure Time works. Yes, and uh, skeuomorphs. Okay, yes, skeuomorphs. Man, that's such a good word. Thank you so much. I'm writing it down. How do you spell it again? I already deleted it. Sorry. It's uh, S-K-U-O, skeuo. I think you there's an E in there. Did you put a W in there? No. S-K-U-O, I think. 
Can U-O- I un- Oh, I can't undo enough. S K E U O morph. Jesus. Sorry. S K E U O morph. To be fair, I did spell it earlier and then deleted it. It's not my fault. You can't remember Why a simple thing. Why did you spell like, it and delete it? Because I was done with the note. I have to. I have to keep my file Wait, clean. Do you delete the notes when you're done with them? Yeah. That is a weird way to do things. Why? But that's okay. I but understand. Why would Kids I... are not always that great with tech. But why would I keep a thing? What if, like, ten episodes from now, I don't remember if I've done linguistic skeuomorph? That's why you keep it. No, but then it's not my list. So you want me to have two lists, one that I've used and one that I haven't? Well, you have a list and you mark... Oh, my God. I'm not going to try to explain it. I feel like deleting it is the same as, like, putting a, putting a cross through it. <laughs> no, yeah. no, no, not really. Not really. Like, you know, so... Uh... Okay. Keep my people at home. Eric takes all of his notes using a pen and a piece of uh, what's that? What's that parchment? <laughs> it's vellum. Right? Vellum. It's vellum. Yeah. <laughs> papyrus. I, I Eric mean, comes I, in with scrolls of papyrus <laughs> with, with 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 linen I use ribbons. A stylus and a wax tablet, <laughs> yeah. like a modern person. Yeah. Um, no, but uh, uh, I actually, you know, so as a as a self employed person, I'd have to have like really good organization on my computer. So I use um, I use a system called Org Mode, where you know I do keep lists and notes and yeah. stuff. Uh, and then I can mark things as done, and then I can also archive them, and it moves them to a different file. So they're still there. Like I can search. Oh no, through. I got it. No, no, your okay. way, your way is far more professional. But like for a two two word thing I, I, per episode, is it just easier just to delete it to keep the file clean? I feel like you would be horrified if you saw my um, Arnamancy podcast notes archive. You would be like, Eric, what in the holy fuck are you doing? This is too many notes. Yeah. I feel like I, I violated all of the principles that you told me when. Um, when you first took me under your podcasting wing back in, uh, well, okay. Uh, to be fair, I don't think we ever went over went over notes. When we, did, we did that. We did. We talked about editing a lot and other things. The notes thing, I'm I don't have a problem keeping old notes. I just there's a certain point of if you haven't you know Marie Kondo style, if you haven't used it in a year, what's the point of having it there? But a note, oh, text based notes. No, that's what I mean. It's, there's no. The reason I'm doing this is because I'm using. And I should find a better reason. So I use Google Keep for my notes. Ah, wow. Does that still exist? Yes. Wow. Uh, I used to use Evernote and then it lost a whole bunch of my stuff. So I gave up and went with Google Keep. But I don't want to have, the way their setup is, is terrible. So I don't want to fill it with like all these things that that I start losing. I want the availability of information directly in front of me. Uh So basically I'm just using a terrible system, but I like the idea of just deleting it. And then there's no way to get, you know extraneous information you know i have to say uh our shiny rock segment has gone so totally off the rails i don't even know where we are anymore well we don't have to do all segment whatever we could just we could chat with people <laughs> that's true i was just giving you a hard time but i do think it's time it, it's not my fault that i don't have a fancy pen oh my god uh this one broke yeah but, hey you, you know, know what didn't break google keep <laughs> okay fine however you know what didn't continue to destroy the rainforest every time i send electrons through it well, I guess. Well, yeah, I mean, you're literally writing on a dead tree, dude. <laughs> that got shipped to the country, most likely on a ship from China. Just, I think just, from, this is German. Yeah, so just, just vomiting <laughs> like chlorofluorocarbons, which is probably not those, but just vomiting horrors into the, and then like just full cases of shit falling off. Like that, you having that piece of paper is responsible for like, like an entire, like entire box of rubber duckies falling into the ocean. That's probably true. Yeah. All right, I'll buy it. Okay, I, but I do think it's time for us to explore Princess Bubblegum's secret entrance. Uh, yeah, I mean, it's taken, taken a few episodes, but finally, we're getting sexy. I know, I know. I mean, this one, I, Bubblegum flirts with Finn in this episode. Uh, we're talking about the Enchiridion now. Uh, season one, episode five. The Enchiridion. Enchiridion, correct. Which, uh, it's, it's, again, like, it's one of those episodes that's really sort of kind of fun and cute there's some um, interesting D&D references. I think that uh, actually the lesson that comes out of this episode for Finn is a really good one about sort of virtue and righteousness. Yeah. Um, and sticking by sort of like his core of goodness. You mean like obeying the Dharma that was given to him? Yeah. Yeah. Huh, interesting. Yeah, you know. I wonder where that's going to lead. <laughs> I'm, I'm stroking my beard thoughtfully, people at home. <laughs> Alex just gave me the creepiest look ever. Oh, you think, oh geez. I could, I could get worse than that. No, no, let's not. <laughs> So this episode is about a book called The Enchiridion that Finn and Jake go on a quest to find. Um, but there's just this hilarious thing in the beginning where they're having this party in the Candy Kingdom. A lot of episodes kind of start that way. Like, you get the impression that when Jake and Finn aren't on their adventures, their life is filled with uh, frivolity. Like, yes. I don't understand where their food comes from or how 
they manage to get enough nutrition to stay alive. Like, yeah. Uh, so so Bubblegum is like, you know, well, let's go into my... So what happens? Like, he, he saves Princess Bubblegum. So, yeah, uh, the, the kind of a player the... guy tries to do a backflip, mm-hmm. hits his head on the on the castle. The castle starts falling. She falls out. Finn catches her about a foot from the ground, and inexplicably, that saves her, which... Jake know. saves her. No, no, Finn does. Jake saves both of them. No, Finn right? does. Finn dives and catches her oh, about a right, foot from right, the ground. Right, yeah, right, right. Oh, yeah, you're Jake saying that's, saves... that's kind of the flirt thing because he's holding her and he gets his face gets all flushed because he's yeah. uh, he's grabbing them buns. Oh yeah, but also like Bubblegum's like, oh, come into my secret entrance. Everybody turn around, and so they yeah, go and into Jake the doesn't entrance. follow. We keep in right, mind, yeah, right. Jake doesn't follow. Well, because Jake wants Finn to grow up. Jake knows that because Jake's already got a girlfriend at this point. He's already so let's. I mean, he's let's... already banging Lady Rainicorn. Is Adventure Time like? super misogynistic i mean because apparently like every woman we've met so far is like some horrible manipulative harpy <laughs> no <laughs> tree trunks and bubble cover like the two the two ladies we met so far I don't... and they're both they're both uh manipulating with their with their tree, lady bits tree trunks is manipulative i don't know that bubblegum is necessarily i think bubblegum views herself as more of a mother figure to to finn a flirty mother figure well, Could only be flirty until she realizes that it's gone too far, which I think mm. we'll see in a few episodes. Yeah, that's fair. Yeah. Also, and this is something we should probably have talked about earlier. Do you think Princess Bubblegum has human genitalia? I doubt it. Because she's like literally bubblegum. She's made out of bubblegum. And we see her earlier form later on, and she is literally like a sentient mass of bubblegum. But isn't that how babies are made? <laughs> that's not how she makes babies. Uh. She makes babies in a lab, remember? Yeah, that's true. Yeah. So anyhow, uh, Bubblegum uh, shows Finn a vision of the Enchiridion, and uh, the quest begins. Yeah, you have to go up MacGuffin Mountain to get right, to that. Right. Yeah. yeah, so like this episode is chock full of D&D references, and yes. I'm just going to mention a few of them. Gnomes show up, and the gnomes are uh, are illusionists, which is like a very, very classic uh, D&D thing. Gnomes are, are magic users who are who specialize in illusion magic. They talk about uh, Finn's heroic attributes on multiple times. Uh, multiple. Ooh, that was bad English, but you know, you guys get what I'm saying. There's uh, this whole thing about good, evil, and neutral. The, the, the unaligned. The ant, unaligned hand. Yeah, I made that ant. note in my thing. Yeah, and and how Finn has to choose between like, will you know the the, the there's this this test in his mind like, will you slay evil things? And Finn is like, yes, I'll always slay evil. And then the then the Creature's like, will you slay this ant? And Finn's like, is the ant evil? He is neither good nor evil. He is neutral. And so Finn has to, like, make his decision. Like, he's going to be good, which means he's not going to kill neutral things. He's not going to kill things that aren't actively evil. And we see this over and over again later on. Like, Finn's character sort of shines through in the way that he works to um, help and... And put faith in all sorts of creatures, right? Like, I think we see it in, in the next... We're going to see it in the next episode, actually. I don't remember what the next one is, but we'll hold that for, for yeah, our, yeah. our next episode. Um, so I was just really kind of... Uh, I was really struck by the amount of... I realized that I was sort of talking off-axis to my microphone. I, I oh, it's fine. It's long, yeah, you're, you're good. Um, but uh, I, I just... I was really struck by uh, not only the amount of D&D... Uh, style references that were shoved into this episode, but also the um, kind of like the, the poignancy of like proving Finn's righteousness in order to receive the Enchiridion. Yeah. Um, and the Enchiridion, like it really, really ends up being such an important uh, MacGuffin. It's a, it's a world ender, you know? Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, it's, it carries the next couple seasons. Yeah. yeah it is definitely uh you know, the red herring that really stinks up the trash. We're using a lot of uh, metaphors here. Well, MacGuffins and red herrings are really similar. Uh, yeah. Yeah, I mean, yeah, they're close Jeffrey, enough. I, I feel like MacGuffins and red herrings are kind of the same thing. Well, I know. I think MacGuffin is the, the like, the, oh, yeah. like, the Maltese Falcon is a MacGuffin, um... Somebody, somebody else being Kaiser Sose is the red, red is, is a red right. hair. Yeah, yeah. yeah. but okay. they're they're. I mean, you're right. Like, you're right. Yeah, they're, 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 they'd be next to each other in the book yeah, on screen, yeah. right? They're, yeah, they're, yeah. they're definitely. Yeah, they're they're plot elements. Yeah, so, yeah. Anyhow, um, I really love this episode. I thought that uh, 
I thought that there was just like something really charming about it. I thought that um, it's it, this episode I thought had a really really good message, which is uh, do good and trust your heart. Strive to be righteous and good and, and throw gnomes in lava. You know, it was probably illusionary lava. And they no, were, I mean, they, they were to, jerks. No, they were there to yeah. begin with. They, they were it. faking so, blowing up old ladies. Here's here's uh, one of the runners that happens in in the rest of Adventure Time that I think is every time you say Adventure Time, I'm going to kill an old lady. Yeah, yeah. What do I care? That's on you, dude. That's that's that, that's the weight of your sins, not mine. Uh, what I love about the show, and it goes, it starts becoming more apparent later. That I don't know how to word this uh, in modern parlance, but the kind of what's a positive way of saying woke? The the why can't woke be positive? Yeah, because it's got like a negative connotation oh. these days. But the the amount of kind of social justice that happens, and the amount of kind of um, healthy masculinity that comes through the show, uh, that. Finn's response of like how he solved the the key equation was, I don't know, I thought you looked cute stuffed in there, shoved yeah. in there. There is a Finn is unafraid of saying things are cute. Like and it goes through the whole thing. Like there's not a masculine bravado grossness. Like this feels like it comes from a generation after ours. Yeah. I that, mean there was a there was that um that joke in one of the one of the earlier episodes that we already discussed where he was kind of afraid of being, you know, of saying that, like he found a man attractive or something like that. Oh yeah, yeah. But uh, but it was it was mild and it wasn't that serious. No, but they brought it up. The fact that it's even addressed because yeah. Finn says he's hot. No, I don't mean hot like sexy. I mean the fact that he even brought that up is yeah. is it, like that's awareness. I mean maybe it's because we're old then, but when I was a kid, that was. Uh, oh, you couldn't say it. you would be you would be ridiculed. Yeah, by your and friends. there's there's yeah. a lot of that. Like there's just a lot of kind of positive. I don't know. It just it's wholesome in a the generation past ours way, which is nice. And him just saying something look cute, just reminds me like when it's one of the great, the, the great horrors that was perpetrated on men, uh, in our generation and the, and everyone proceeding, at least in the West is no, you're not allowed to have emotions. Like, yeah. No, like you're, you're, you're bad. Emotions are bad. Just, and that's not how you, that's not how you raise humans. That's how you raise broken things. Yeah. And it's nice to see just, a little kid having emotions. Like Jake says, I love you constantly, even though he's mm-hmm. technically a magical dog, but still he's ostensibly male. He's male. He makes well, babies with Lady Rainicorn. Yeah, but I mean, here's the thing. She's also magical. And I've seen that whole, he's stretched here, there and everywhere. And I've never seen any Jake balls. Well, you know what? Lady Rainicorn isn't necessarily magical. Right, she's like interdimensional. Yeah. She comes from a different dimension. Yeah, she's like normal. Well, I mean, of, I guess- uh, what is she? A Rainicorn. Yeah, but I mean, I guess if you're an interventional being that has, when moving to this area, things that would be powers, I think you would count as magical. Okay, all right, that that might be true. Like, let's say in a, in the dimension next door, they don't have the ability to poop, and you walk over there <laughs> and like eat a sandwich and wait twenty four hours. That's Ooh. essentially magic. You you transmuted the very substance of nature into something else in front of them. I love transmuting yes i find it very relaxing that's one of the things you learn about and the one of the key the philosopher's stone is actually uh fiber <laughs> enter my brain world and i will show you some aspect of yourself that you are not entirely aware of yeah. so yeah the, the only other kind of uh ask, oh and then the other thing is the manly minotaur which you would, yeah. you would expect to be manly but he's Kind of a feat. He's nice. It's like, oh, come, let's have a tea party together. Yeah, yeah. Uh, um, but he's yeah. so muscly. Like he must. He he. When he flexes, his which is muscles totally, have which muscles. is totally fine. I just, I, man, I wish I, I wish I was raised in this generation. Yeah, me too. I mean, just if I had had Finn and Jake as role models when I was ten, I think I would have, uh, I would have had an easier time with life. Uh, yeah, yeah. That, there'd be a lot more stumbling blocks. A lot of my kind of uh, emotional damage <laughs> that yeah, was occurred. Yeah, I think it would, would have be been so much easier. at least, at least, a, yeah, at least understand why it was coming that way. Uh, and then, yeah, he gets the Enchiridion, and fun joke is the first page he starts to is how to kiss princesses, <laughs> which sets up the Finn has a crush on Princess Bubblegum for the oh yeah the for, remainder of the show. Yeah, I mean, or at least for a couple seasons. I mean, it keeps going up until up until I she turns think... out to be you know. Uh, LGBT queer. Well, um, I think that they have a they have a they have a couple uh, really honest discussions about it at some point. Where... Well, because she when remember that time where she loses weight, so therefore she's younger, and they have they like essentially make out. Do they? Or at least they like they have like a like romantic thing. They do, but but also at the same time, like we do learn that you know she never really thought of it that way, except for when she was young. Yeah, but yeah. she's only young for a minute. 
Because yeah, apparently true. her age is based on her mass, which is weird. I mean, <laughs> I, I, I've only evidenced myself, but I mean, that feels like actually pretty one-to-one. <laughs> it's been a pretty steep... <laughs> that, that math works out for me. Yeah, okay, so let's talk about the Enchiridion itself. Uh, can you look up the definition of Enchiridion? I, I was going to do that. Yes. Instead, uh, I'm going to wh- get this beer. What I would like you to do yes. is... Uh, did, did you bring a book with you? I did. Do you have it out? Oh, uh, get your beer. I just, if it's not out, yeah, I yeah. want to get I, it out. I, I, I'm getting there. I'm getting there. I'm yeah. getting there. Uh, but I'll, I'll talk a little bit about it. Like, there's a, uh, just in case our audience oh, doesn't know how satisfying it is to open a beer, just in case our audience doesn't know, like, uh, a grimoire is a sort of uh, book of magic, a book of magical spells and magical procedures and stuff uh, in the real world. Like, we actually have grimoires in the. Uh, Alex and Eric universe, not just in the Finn and Jake universe. And um, there is a famous or infamous grimoire called the Enchiridion of Leo II, or maybe the Enchiridion of Leo III. Well, the one that I found is the Enchiridion of Epictetus. Epictetus? Thank you. I, I... I knew how to do it in my head, and then the second I ran into that easy, that C T E T, like, <laughs> and that comes from one thirty five. Oh, this is A C E, which isn't a that's thing. not a thing. Well, this is from classics.mit.edu. They so probably know what they're talking about. Um, so the Enchiridion of Epictetus is not a grimoire, though. That I believe is a philosophical treatise. It's a short manual of Stoic ethical advice compiled by Arian, a second-century disciple of Greek philosopher right, Epictetus. Yeah, yeah. Oh, I did pretty good that time. Yeah, good yeah. job. Um, yeah, so I think an Enchiridion is pretty typically kind of like a manual of some sort. Like it's some sort of instruction manual. Oh, which works very well for D&D purposes. It does. You know, uh, yeah, and it works well for this too, right? Like the Enchiridion is an instruction manual for heroes in Adventure Time. Uh, the Enchiridion of Leo III or Leo II or whatever, is uh, is an instruction manual for, you know, summoning demons. Um, now, in my head, so when I was talking to Alex earlier today, and I was sort of plotting, like, oh, what am I going to bring for show and tell in our friggin' podcast? Uh, I was thinking, oh, wait, do we have a name for this segment? Eh, we don't need to name it's every segment. show and tell. Yeah, it's here's here's <laughs> that here's that thing I brought. Yeah. Here, I'll um, do the theme song. Here's that thing I brought. It's in my hand now. The end. Yeah. Good job. <laughs> that was awful. Yeah, it it wasn't meant to be good. Go back to your tree trunks voice. (laughs) Oh, here's our next segment. (laughs) When I was thinking about this, uh, in my head, I got two different Pope-named grimoires mixed up because the one that I brought uh, is the Sworn Book of Honorius, which is named after Pope Honorius. And um, uh, I don't own the Enchiridion of, of Leo. I don't have a copy of that. So I did bring the Sworn Book of Honorius. And this is, for those of you who are interested in grimoires, if you can find it, I think it recently went out of print, so it might be kind of tough to find. But it's um, Liber Uratus Honori. Look at this beautiful cover. It's That's where, a very pretty cover. Yeah. Okay, so you see this cool symbol in the middle of that cover? Does that look familiar to you? Uh, that looks like the thing from John Dee's mirror. It is. Yeah. The, so the Sworn Book of Honorius is where the uh, Sigillum de Ameth comes from. Oh, really? The the sigil of the truth of God. Oh, no shit. And, um, and it's not, I, I think that in the original manuscript, I don't think it's actually drawn out. It's just described. Uh, and the version that it uses or that it describes is very, very close to what John Dee has. And this book, it, it looks, it looks thick. It's what, 300 and... 30 pages but it's a facing page translation so it's only really only half that size so you get the the latin and the english in here on facing pages and it is a very fun grimoire if you can get past the first half the first half is just tons and tons and tons of very very devout religious prayers and then um it has one of my favorite grimoire spells in it which is this uh this magic summoning circle thing that you make in the woods. And it has the instructions include something like, you know, go out in the woods, uh, carve out a 12 foot circle and, you know, put all these magic symbols around it, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, you may invite up to three friends, uh, make sure they bring wine. Oh, nice. Because the yeah. idea is 
Everybody's going to hang out in this big-ass magic circle. The magician is going to be doing his grimoire magic, you know, chanting barbarous names and uh, prayers in Latin and lighting candles and incense and wearing funny hats and robes and waving around swords and wands and stuff. And meanwhile, his friends are all just going to be hanging out and they're drinking wine. Oh, that's awesome. Which I'd be into that. Like yeah, an awesome idea. Yeah, I don't have to do anything. You just sit there and somebody else does the magic <laughs> for me. Fuck yeah. It's like a dream. But, uh... It's just, yeah, like, the Ancaridian always makes me think of this grimoire, even though it's the wrong pope. That's... I mean, aren't they all the wrong pope? Uh, yes, I would say every pope is a wrong pope. Except for Pope Joan. I would have voted for her. I would have voted for her, too, except that, of course, we don't get to vote True. for popes. And I because... think one of the things, I think Pope Joan technically is, like, a myth, but... <laughs> yeah. yeah, I mean, it's, you know, Pope Joan was, what, like, a thousand years ago? So who knows if Pope Joan is a myth or real? Like, it, Pope Joan is definitely the sort of thing that the Catholic Church would like to tell us is a myth so here's the thing i know about pope joan just to describe to the audience so uh there's a apocryphal story that says at one point a woman dressed as a man and became pope yeah and she was pope joan so ever since then and i don't know if the ceremony is real but ever since then they carry every new pope wearing essentially a skirt over their heads on like a what would you call that like a like a sedan chair sort of thing. yeah yeah with the bottom cut out so that you can see the genitals and they say in latin I see his testicles and they are well hung. This is this is the story behind it. Is that to prove that you are red, you have to have you have to have swinging testicles. Yeah. Uh, no, this is not like a one-off thing. Like if you search for that, there's hundreds upon hundreds. It's like a well-known. Yeah. It yeah, sounds I've heard this too. It's it, just I, you don't really hear people say it out loud very often. Uh, yes, and also you know, I, I just don't remember the Latin at all. But uh, which is really fun in Latin because you know you generally when you hear Latin you think of like fancy poncy stuff, but it's I have to stop saying poncy. Damn it, uh, fancy you know fancy dance stuff. Um, I feel like we should get that Latin phrase and use it as the motto for our podcast. Well, let's find out what it is right now. Okay. Um, I see Latin his testicles and they're well hung. It would be Pope something like... Pope Joan, I see his testicles. That should be enough. Uh, Sone due et bene pendete. Testiculos habet et bene pendete. So it's, um, there, uh, there are two and hanging well. He has balls and they're hanging well. <laughs> oh, those are the two different... Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Um, that's excellent. T- t- testiculus habet is, uh, yeah. Anyway, Pope Joan. All right. So, uh, would any, any other things about your grimoire? Um, I don't think I have anything else about the grimoire. I, I would encourage people to look it up. I'll, uh, I'll, I'll make sure to send you a link so you can put it in the show notes. Um, yes, because it is an interesting one and this is actually a fairly old one. I believe that this particular grimoire is kind of mixed up with the invention of Christian Kabbalah, too. And, of course, Honorius will be, well, oh boy. Okay, now I'm not going to get too far into, like, the Agrippa weeds. Uh, I'm almost done with my Agrippa, uh, making my Agrippa series right now. In Agrippa, there's a section on magical alphabets, uh, which he took from uh, Johannes Trithemius's book, uh, Polygraphia. Uh, and in both of those, there is a magical alphabet called the the alphabet of Honorius. And it, I believe, is the same... Hold on, I was just looking at that page. Uh, I believe it is the alphabet that ends up being used uh, as sort of like the witch's alphabet nowadays, which is kind of fun. Oh, yeah. What's that called? There's a word for that. Uh, the witch's alphabet. No, but they call it something else. Uh, Do they? Yeah. I read all that witchy stuff when I was in high school. I don't remember the, any of it. Here's the magical alphabet of Honorius. Yeah. You can take a look at it. You've, you've probably seen it before. Oh, I'm sure. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that does look familiar to me. Yeah, I think it ends up getting used as sort of like the witch's alphabet now. Yeah. I, I, but maybe you're right. Maybe they do use a different name for it. Um, well, let's find out since we're talking about it. Okay. So I'm going to type it into my uh, my repository of all human knowledge here. Ooh. Um, witch's alphabet. I mean, there might be multiple, but there's a Theban. That's what I was thinking of. Theban. Yeah. 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 Is it the same? Oh, I would. I don't I, think Theban is the same. I don't know if I'd know how to. They're, they're, oh wait, no, here we go. I got a nice. Um, they're pretty similar. I already. No, they. No, they're exactly the same. Okay. okay. I mean, judge, I looked that for. Oh yeah, it's from from Johannes Trithemius, published yep. in fifteen eighteen. Yep. Okay. So yeah, they apparently they call it Theban in modern witchiness. Okay. Yes. Uh, so you, you, it's it's a fun, weird little alphabet that you can use, especially if you're Finn's age right now. You can totally use it in school to uh, communicate secretly with your friends. And since there doesn't currently seem to be a satanic panic, you probably won't get expelled. 
Uh, yeah, and now that you can pray in schools, you need like something cool to pray to. So oh, yeah, totally. I yes, recommend yes. the devil. Oh, you know what? I, what I would recommend is uh, so you can uh, there are, there are some amazing places on Etsy where you can get like laser engraved wooden discs with the uh, sigil and day ameth, and I mean they're big. They probably yeah. end up being like I don't know eight to ten inches across. Uh, get one of those. Put a little like you know uh, eyelet on the top and wear it as a big old. Flava Flav style necklace. Yes. And I can't tell you how much young people are going to understand a Flava Flav reference. I've already, used, <laughs> we've already used some Latin. We've talked about popes from a thousand years ago and yeah. grimoires <laughs> yeah, from fair the enough. 15th yeah. century. Yeah, point well made. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So let's do one last little segment before we go. I would like to do the segment. What are we watching? What are we reading? Oh, yeah, what are we let's doing? Do, what are we watching? What are you watching? Um, you go first because I don't have an idea. Okay, I have two things. Uh, one of them I'm not going to talk about. I'll just mention I am. Uh, I watched the penultimate episode of of uh, the new Stranger Thing thing season. Mm. It, it's it's an it's an excellent series so far. It totally delivers exactly what Netflix promises it will be. It's a load of. It's like a thick, giant bowl of um, '80s nostalgia and oats. It's delicious, you know? So Now, let me ask you about... So, I have watched all Stranger Things, and I watched it uh, in a run. Uh-huh. Now, this is going to be no spoilers. I'm just going to ask you one question. Okay. Guitar? Guitar? Okay. In the last episode, there is the coolest thing that ever happens in the history of anything. Like in the last episode of the season? Yeah. Oh, I haven't watched it yet. No, that's right. That's why I... It's that's... two and a half hours long. Who the hell has time for a two and a half hour episode? I'm going to need some marijuana. Uh, me. And I had marijuana at the time, so it worked out really well. Okay. So you watched it already, but it just yes. came out like this week. Uh, yeah, I, I had a, um, what I'm going to refer to as a mental health failure of a weekend, oh. wherein I did fuck all and just wanted comforting things, one of which was uh, Stranger Things. Yeah, yeah. I guess I kind of did that yesterday, but instead I played video games. Yeah, same concept. Anyway, um, your second thing. Okay, the second thing is uh, Ms. Marvel. Which, um, I know these are both, like, very popular things that everybody's watching, but I'm really, really enjoying Ms. Marvel. It is a delight, uh, and I was just really thrilled with the most recent episode where they went to uh, Karachi, which is a city that I have very, very little awareness of. Um, I've got a good buddy who's... uh, who's Pakistani who wasn't really raised there, so he doesn't... I don't know that he has... He actually showed me a picture of him in Karachi when he was like a little kid with his dad. But I think that was the most recent picture he had of himself in Karachi. But uh, it's just fascinating to me that there are these cities like Karachi, these cultural centers. Like Karachi is, I think, like among the top 20 largest cities in the world. Yeah. Like it is it is a mammoth city. It is a crossroads of tons of different cultures. You know, a big part of its uh, crossroadiness is, um, is, you know, like a very direct result of... Uh, the British Empire being a steaming pile of assholes. And I want to go there. I totally want to go there. I know that I will sweat a lot. It's probably very hot there. But yeah. Um, but I really, really want to visit Karachi. Yeah, Karachi does seem really rad. I I, I feel like you would need like uh, a, a tour guide. It's it's one of those pacts just... Oh, yeah. Oh, that seems yeah. overwhelming. When yeah. I think of like cities um, in kind of... Uh, the subcontinent area, you know, the Indian subcontinent yeah. area, most of them just seemed far too intimidating. You know, like uh, Mumbai, for instance, with its, what, 500 billion people or something like that. Like, Mumbai is so big that there's a new Mumbai, and they're both part of the same city. Yeah. And it's just so it friggin' enormous. Yeah. Like, I just look at the number of people living there, and my brain shuts down, and I'm like, I, can, I can't ever go to Mumbai. Yeah, like, that seems overwhelming. Yeah. And I am fascinated, you know, I'm, I'm fascinated by the history of India. Maybe part of our, uh, this podcast might be um, Adventure Time slash History of India. Well, I as we go on, I am going to prattle on about Mahabharata. You know, so, I'm yeah. going to crack open some of my history books again. Yeah. Looks like it's time to get back in there. That's a reread Mahabharata, by the way, in the next few years, because it's been a couple of years. Do you have a full set? I have it on, you know, Kindle. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, I've read it a few times. Yeah. The whole thing? Yeah, it's not, it's really not that long. It's like 15 books. Yeah, but it's like 15 books of poem verse. So it's yeah. it's like... I mean, I... Yeah, all right. I, I think it's... 
I wonder how many words it is. Uh, wait, hold on. It's got to be a million words. I, I was about to say a million, but a million words is what? That's five big books worth of words. I mean, it's not that. I know, I know, yeah. I know, I know. It's just, it's it's always seemed uh, really intimidating to me. And I accidentally read. Yeah, um, 1.8 million words. Okay. So but that's I mean, like 10. That's like the Wheel of Time. But yeah, but think about how how many books we read and how much. I mean, it's not, oh, yeah, yeah. It's not know, that know, big of a. Yeah, I mean, and I'm thinking about like I read, um, I read Gibbon's uh, History of the decline and follow the roman Empire, oh yeah, yeah which is probably about the same length also and way drier although given has like this amazing sense of humor those books have the best spine art of any book ever oh really i've I read so on the spines books. it's like dictionary style but the first book has a full like kind of doric column and then it starts oh, like right, disintegrating right, right. as it yes, moves yes, down yes. it is I've such a beautiful those. concept yeah, yeah yeah i have seen that i don't remember is that like the first edition you know i don't know it's just the one that i've seen before and it just looks uh, it looks <laughs> wonderful uh all right so i'm going to tell you about what i've been watching oh, yeah. what have you been watching if i talked about this last time tell me but did i talk about deep space nine last time no so i'm a huge deep space nine fan and uh it was i signed up for netflix to watch uh something or another i don't like giving them money but i wanted to watch something uh, so I was just trying to jam in as much stuff as I didn't have access to and Deep Space Nine's on there and I, I adore that show and talking about like uh, you know kind of positive masculinity the story of O'Brien and Julian Bashir becoming friends and then becoming best friends and then yes. becoming almost brothers over I the course that. of the show yeah. is so beautiful and I'm, I'm in the heart of them I think I just watched an episode where, where O'Brien just all, it's not even a point of the show but just casually calls him my best friend he's mm-hmm. like oh you're my best friend and it's just it's so beautiful like I re- it really is such a you don't see adult male friendships form in shows and from this grizzled I'm annoyed by you to becoming besties is such a beautiful thing so uh, yeah. I re- recommend and the rest of the show is great too but recommend it wholeheartedly skip the episodes that's all Ferengi none of them are good um I uh I've never finished watching uh, Deep Space Nine but I think I think it was over the pandemic that I watched most of it. And I think I've, I've just got some stuff in the final season to watch. Final season lands reasonably well for a okay. show that lasted that long and a Star Trek show does pretty well. You know, the best friend thing is interesting. I have had uh, male friends refer to me as their best friend before. And it gives me like a, like a moment of panic. Like the same, <laughs> yeah, yeah. the same kind of moment of panic that like, you know, when you have anybody sort of like ask you to enter into any sort of relationship and you're like, fuck, I can't handle this level of commitment. This, yeah, is, a yeah. lot, this is a lot of responsibility. What do you mean best friend? <laughs> uh, so yeah, I can understand why it's sort of a thing that you can really enjoy seeing um, uh, Bashir saying. Just well, kind of and there goes the announcement I was going to make at the end of this episode, but okay, that's fine. Oh, uh, boy. <laughs> no, uh, no, oh I just, wow, let's listen to this amazing outro music. Yeah, no, I, I, I just, I really enjoy that, that, that thing. It's so difficult to make adult male friendships. There is so much against it, especially people of our age, which I was talking about earlier in the episode. They're just, we were trained to not have emotions yeah. and to just willingly admit to someone like, oh, I care for you as an adult. Uh, it's yeah. just, it's, it's. It's a difficult thing. So watching that show has been uh, fun. Yeah, I, I should and let me just walk back the Ferengi comment. Some people like those episodes. I just yeah. I find them. I, it's, I actually, I don't, I'm not there. Uh, I I enjoyed them. I I uh, I liked the Ferengi episodes, but mainly because there was sort of like a world building thing going on, yeah. and mainly because they really highlighted how much earlier writers had fucked up the Ferengi. <laughs> True. Yeah. Like this whole thing about the Ferengi women always being naked and stuff. Yeah. Like it's so stupid and so misogynistic and it's just like this um it's like this this echo of misogyny from the writers too like it's sort of like what if there was this alien race and all their women were naked like that would be amazing well no but what's great about the way they handle in deep space nine is the only fringy women we ever see are elderly not not to be you know ageist but they're not showing nubile uh, young Ferengi people. And that culture is painted as kind of garbage heaps from the oh, yeah. Federation perspective. Like all of their obsessed with greed. They treat their women like shit. It's not like it's, I think the original writers probably had that idea. And then later kind of more, or at least they, it ended up coming out in the wash of this is a comment on how shitty people that, you know, yeah. think of this. Yeah. And, and there is a, a social sort of cultural revolution going on uh, among the Ferengi during yes. that uh, series that I think is really kind of... Yeah, Quark's mom back on yeah. Ferenginar, which is... Ferenginar. It's such a funny, a funny name. But yes, uh, I mean, I guess, you know, we're Earthlings and we come from Earth. 
Yeah, that's fine. It's just Frangenar has like we are a, literally calling ourselves dirt people. Yeah, yeah I've, I've thought that before. What a terrible, what a terrible name. Okay, wait, are we done? I think we're done. Okay, so next episode we will be discussing uh, season one episodes uh, six and seven. Correct. Which I recently watched and have already forgotten the titles of, but they're they're excellent episodes. All of season one is excellent, and just like all of our season one, it's you know we're pretty much, yeah, it's gonna be great. Yeah. Do do we need Marceline in six and seven? I know she shows up relatively soon. She's pretty soon, but I don't remember. I hope so. I think she might be more like ten. Marceline is awesome. She's she's my uh, maybe my favorite character. Maybe mine too. We might have to fight over this. Well, you can you can like Marshall Lee. Her, no, her no, male no, form. I'm, Mar- I'm, a, I'm Team Marceline. Uh, I don't know. You're more like a Marshall Lee oh, come on. Guy. I'm pretty sure I sang the daddy song. I'm pretty sure uh, I did, too. On your, ep- on your podcast. No, I'm pretty sure I did, too, to be honest <laughs> with you. I, I think I think both of us did. If anybody, we, we've referenced it before, but uh, a Halloween episode of the Alex cast, Eric came on, and we tried to summon uh, Hunt's Nabadeer mm-hmm. using the summoning ceremony shown on Adventure Time. So. Yeah, and that's actually uh, season two, episode one. Which will be at. Oh, yeah, soon. yeah. Yeah. Maybe maybe we can grab that thing. Oh, whatever. Yeah. Uh, this has been WizBiz with Alex and Eric. And uh, I hope you join us next oh, time. Oh, yeah. And I'm Eric, by the way. I never introduced myself at the beginning. I, I just assumed you knew. I'm not sure if I introduced me either. I introduced you. Oh, did you? Yeah. Oh. Well, that's Eric. <laughs> <laughs> now we're even. All right. All right. Bye. Bye. Goodbye, Gunter.